Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. Good morning. Welcome to New Life. We're so glad you're here, especially if you're here for the very first time. I did meet a couple of you who are here for the first time today. We expected you. We were ready for you, even though we lost an hour of sleep last night. The coffee was on and the, you know, the cinnamon rolls are out there this morning, so we hope you enjoyed that. And uh, We exist. I'm Pastor Chris, the lead pastor of New Life. We exist to share, grow, and live the new life of Jesus Christ with the world one person at a time. I was thinking this morning when I woke up, I was really tired when I woke up this morning, and obviously we lost an hour of sleep, but... As long as I can remember, when we fall back at the, uh, in the fall, I never uh, get that extra hour of sleep. I stay up an extra hour. And then in the spring, I always lose the hour. So I'm 60 years old, so I've probably lost 120 hours of sleep in my lifetime because, uh, just because of those time changes. Um, and I, maybe you'd say, maybe if you're a little brighter. Yeah, maybe if I was. But So that's why I'm so tired, the cumulative effect. It's sort of like compound interest, I guess. You know, So this day seems like more than usual. So I, I applaud you that you're here at the 8.30 service on the day we change the time. So thank you for being here. We're in the midst of this series called Get a Grip. And what we're talking about is getting a grip on this book, the Bible, which as, uh, as a church of Jesus Christ, we believe is the word of God. And as we say in our core values, we trust the Bible. It's true and it makes a difference in our lives. So I want to tell you a story about a time when I was seven or eight, which is obviously a long time ago. I wanted to make my dad happy. And it wasn't really easy to make my dad happy, but I knew he loved, loved to eat, and I knew he really loved radishes. So I decided at the age of seven or eight, I was going to grow some radishes so my dad would have some radishes to eat. So I walked over to the local store, which shows you how long ago it was since I was seven or eight, because I didn't have to have my mom or my dad go with me. I just walked over to the local store, bought a package of radish seeds, came home, you know, and I put some dirt in this little wooden trailer that my dad had that he pulled along behind his car. Anyway, I put some dirt in there, and I planted the seeds in rows and then I watered them, you know, and every day I went out and I watered the seeds and I watered the seeds and after a while the, the seeds sprouted up and it was amazing. My plan was working. My, my radish seeds, you know, it was, it, for me as a little boy, seven or eight, it was just incredible to go out every day, see a little bit more growth, a little bit more growth. But I had planted my radish seeds in like July, not in the spring when you're supposed to, so it was already hot. And one day I forgot to water the seeds in the morning. So in the afternoon I went out. My radish seeds were about that high. And uh, when I went to look at them, they were not, they were just dead. They were just all flat brown dead. And my dad's radishes were toast. My plan was over. Uh, because the, the seeds didn't have any root, really, and, and I had only put a couple of inches of dirt in the, in the trailer, and since the, the trailer you know, wasn't on the ground, the, the seeds just didn't have any depth, they died. So what we're going to talk about today when it comes to this getting a grip idea is what does it take for us to have deep roots, roots that will go down and develop a relationship with Jesus Christ that will be able to stand the test of those hot days, the scorchers, you know, uh, and when the pressure and stress is on so that we will stand firm and that we won't end up looking like those little radish plants that I planted for my dad so long ago. So today we're going to turn to the middle section of the Bible, of the Old Testament that is. Um, during this month of March, we're looking at the whole Bible in an overview kind of fashion. Today, the, the middle five books, and um, if you came to the walk through the Bible, we'd call, they called it the poetry books. I'm going to call them the wisdom books, Job, Psalm, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. And in those books, um, we're going to find out what it's going to take for us to get that rooting and grounding 
in God. So here's the take-home point for today. If, you're, if you come regularly, you know that we have one point that we seek to make in our messages every week, and uh, we want to take that home, think about it, pray about it, and live it out in the week ahead. So here's this week's take-home point. The Psalms and wisdom books offer us a beautiful picture of the life deeply rooted in a personal relationship with God. And as we're going to see through the psalmist and King Solomon, uh, the life that's deeply rooted in God is a life that's deeply rooted in the Word of God. And so if you have a Bible or Bible app, I would encourage you to open it right now to Psalm chapter 1, verse 1. So the, it, it's a little hint. If you open your Bible to the middle, you'll be in the Psalms. Ordinarily, it's, that's where the Psalms are, right in the middle of your Bible. So Psalm 1, verse 1. Before we uh, start reading, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for a new day. Thank you so much that uh, you are never tired, that you are always awake, that you are already, always ready to hear us even before we pray, and you know what we need before we ask, and yet you call us to pray. So today our prayer is simple, God, open our minds, open our hearts, that we might hear your truth, and then empower us by your Holy Spirit, that we might live it out in the week ahead. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. So in Psalm 1, we read these words. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers, not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous, For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So, do you see what it takes to be rooted in a life, in a relationship with God that's going to stand the test of whatever comes about in our daily lives? It's simply this, that to stay rooted in a personal relationship with God, we must avoid ungodly advice and connections and delight in God's word. Now, I have to unpack that real quickly because what the psalmist is not saying, what I'm not saying is that we shouldn't hang out with anybody but Christians. I'm not saying that at all. When I say we need to avoid ungodly advice and connections, what I'm saying is that we shouldn't look for our advice from the world, from the latest survey out there in the world. And and when we want to have close friendships, close connections, we want to make sure that those people are not people who are mocking God, people who who are basically saying that, you know, that either God doesn't exist or that God isn't important. Because when we make those kind of connections as our primary connections, what happens is we tend to follow after our friends. Our friends tend to lead us. My mother, all of our mothers told us that, right? you got to make sure who you hang out with because your friends determine what you're going to be like in your everyday life. So we hang out with everybody, but our closest friends and associates, also we want those to be people who are also rooting themselves in God's Word and growing deeper in a relationship with Him. So as we're going to see in the Scriptures today the foundation or the root of a life that's committed to Jesus Christ, committed to God, is a life that's rooted in his word. And uh, I want to ask you a a simple question. When was the last time you heard somebody say, I delight in meditating on God's word. I meditate on it day and night. And that's what I thought. Probably never, right? People just don't talk like that. It's, It's very interesting. All of us, I think everybody in the room, at least people watching online, we probably want to follow God. We probably want to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, but we probably don't want to really 
stand out for that. We don't want to be, we don't want to be known as holy, and holy simply means set apart for God. We, we really do, and yet there's sort of this struggle inside of us, this tension, because we want to fit in with our friends and, and at work and at school, uh, but really what the Scripture shows us and what we're going to see throughout all of the readings, and we already saw it in the first one, is that there's a difference in fact, if, as we read the wisdom literature today, what we're going to find is that Solomon doesn't just talk about wisdom. He talks about the opposite of wisdom. He talks about foolishness. And so there's this divide. And there's a divide between God's truth and the world's folly or the world's foolishness. And we live in a culture that says that everything that anybody thinks is okay. I mean, you do you, I do me. Isn't that what we hear all the time? Whatever you think is good for you is good for you. Whatever I think is good for me is good for me. But what the Word of God says is there is truth. And actually, that means there is falsehood. And so every, you know, every, every path doesn't head to the top of the mountain. Some of them are detours. And every, every religion isn't the same. And that's the kind of stuff we hear all the time. But in Psalm 1, verse 1, we read, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. And what we have to understand is we're all sinners. What the psalmist wasn't saying is that, that if, unless you're perfect, you can't be a godly person because we all sin. We all fall short of the glory of God. But once we trust Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord in our lives, there becomes a, a change, a, a difference in our lives. And, and our, our, our goal, the, the, the focus of our life becomes to walk in righteousness or godliness, to, to find out what the Word of God says, and then to live it out in the power of the Holy Spirit. So... Uh, one of the things that this culture talks a lot about these days, uh, it's really interesting to me. I, I, I hang out with a lot of people who are in recovery, and one of the things that they talk about a lot is, you know, I have to get rid of the shame in my life. And, and that's a good idea. Getting rid of shame in our life and guilt in our life is a good idea, especially if it's false guilt or false shame. Sometimes we feel guilty or shameful when we didn't do anything wrong. Maybe somebody has done something wrong against us and we feel ashamed. Those kind of cases, we definitely need to dismiss the shame. But what the Word of God tells us is sometimes the reason we feel shame and guilt is because we're guilty. We have sinned. We have turned against God's ways. And the only way to get rid of that kind of guilt and that kind of shame is to, the word the Bible uses is repent. It's a simple word. means to turn around. We have to turn around and come back to God and to his truth. And when we do that, the shame goes away. Because when we're in a relationship with God, there's no condemnation in that relationship. So in Psalm 119, we're going to move on to another psalm. And 119 is the longest psalm. It's the longest chapter in the Bible. Uh, we're not going to read all of it. We're just going to read a few verses. But let's look what it says. It says, How can a young man or a young woman keep their way pure? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees, and I will not neglect your word. So what is the overall picture that's painted here by the psalmist? It's interesting because he talks about the heart. In fact, he uses this illustration. He says, I have hidden your word in my heart, so I won't sin against you. That means I've internalized it. I haven't just read it. I mean, there are a lot of people who say to me, I really need to read the whole Bible. Yes, we do. We need to read the Bible. But what we need to do more than just read it is we need to internalize its truth 
so that it will change us from the inside out. That's the plan. God doesn't want external change in our life. He wants internal change because the internal change will change the outside. But, but just you know, you know, reading the Bible or doing good things, praying, all those things are great. But when we do them without a change of heart, it doesn't make an ultimate difference. It doesn't make an eternal difference in our life. And that's what we're really going for here today is that eternal difference that changes today, but it changes the pattern of our life forever. So I have a question. Actually, two questions they are going to be up on the screen. They're serious questions I want us to think about when it comes to this idea of purity and righteousness and hiding God's word in our heart. Number one is, do we want to stand out for our love of God? And secondly, do we want him to be first in our lives? Do we want to stand out for our love of God? Do we want him to be first in our lives? And right here, in, you know, we're in worship, and everybody would probably go, yeah, I do, Pastor, I, I do. And if, if you would have asked me that question when I was 20, I would have said yes, 30, yes, 40, yes, 50, yes. But now I'm 60. And I would say yes, and I would mean it more sincerely than I've ever meant it. I, I want to seek God with all of my heart. I want the inside of me to be filled up with his word and I, so that the outside of me will look like Jesus. That's what I want in my life. And the interesting thing is we can have that desire at any age. I have known children five years old who have that kind of heart's desire for God. But statistically, in this culture, the, the younger we are, like each succeeding generation, like if you go to the generation that's before me, there's still some of them left, and then you go to the baby boomers and the, you know, Gen X and on down, millennials and so on, I guess the new one is Z, um, Gen Z is the newest one. If you look at each generation, there is less commitment to God, less passion for God, less seeking after God in each generation. And, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad. What I'm trying to do is build up uh, to the next scripture we're going to read. Because in the next scripture we're going to read, we're going to find out that Solomon, King Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, said that at any age, at any age, we can grab onto God and a relationship with him. And his wisdom is what will make that relationship develop roots, roots that go down and will last through any kind of trial, any kind of trouble, and no matter what the, you know, what the temperature of our lives gets to be. And so let's look at that. It says this in Proverbs chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. It says, these are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. Their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives to help them do what is right, just, and fair. Then this is where it says, these Proverbs will give insight to the simple, knowledge and discernment to the young. Let the wise listen to these Proverbs and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance by exploring the meaning in these Proverbs and parables, the words of the wise and their riddles. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. I love what Solomon shows us in verses 4 and 5. It says this, that wisdom grows when we pursue it no matter what our age or stage of life. Did you notice it said that, you know, if the simple pursue it, simple, it's, it just simply means the young, the, the children. Little children are simple. They haven't developed sophistication. They haven't developed a lot of wisdom or knowledge. And so if they trust in the Bible, if they read the word of God, it, it will give them wisdom. And then it says it will give wisdom to the young. So a little bit older, and we continue to read it, and we get a little bit more wisdom. But it also says those who are already wise, 
That would be adults who are already growing in knowledge and wisdom. They get wiser when we read the Word of God. And then it says those who have understanding, and we would hope that would be the people, you know, the older people, the people with the gray and the white hair, that even those of us who have that kind of understanding, we continue to read these words of truth, and it makes us wiser and have deeper understanding still. Because that's the goal. We are to be lifelong learners. It isn't like we just come to know Jesus Christ, we get saved, which is very important. And then that's it. No, we get saved, which is very important. And then we are babies spiritually, and then we grow up. We continue to grow up throughout our lives. That's the plan. And so if you're young this morning here, or you're young in your faith, or maybe you haven't even trusted Jesus as Savior and Lord yet, I want to share a quote from Billy Graham, the great evangelist who passed away a couple weeks ago. He was asked about 30 years ago. About 30 years ago, somebody said to him, you know, Billy, how is it that you know the Bible so well? And without hesitation, he said, well, it's simple, really. All you have to do is read the Bible for an hour every day for 40 years. You see, an hour every day for 40 years. And you're going, I'm going to read the Bible an hour every day? I don't think so. Okay, what about 10 minutes? 10 minutes a day every day for 40 years. If you're an average reader in 20 years, I mean, 40 years, I'm sorry, 40 years, if you read the Bible 10 minutes a day, you would read through the Bible 20 times. 20 times in the next 40 years. And some of you are saying, well, I don't have 40 more years. Well, okay, that's all right, but many of us do. I mean, I don't think I do, but many of you in the room do have 40 years left. And so if you started reading the Bible 10 minutes a day, just 10 minutes a day, every day, for 40 years, you would have read it through 20 times. I know people who say to me all the time, I I really want to read the Bible the whole way through. Well, you know, the best way to read the Bible the whole way through is to read one chapter. Uh, read one verse. You start. If you get started, it's a lot easier to finish than it is if you never start. And so the point is, Billy Graham knew the Bible. It saturated his life because he committed to it. And for him, it was an hour a day. For most of us, it won't be that long. But, but even if it's 10 minutes a day, we will get through the Bible many, many times in our lifetime. And more importantly, it will get through us. It will come out of us. One of the things that I, at my age of 60, that I appreciate is I started to read when I was six, and I started reading the Bible when I was six. And I haven't read it every day, but most days since I was six years old. And so at my age, uh, the Bible is pretty much in, it's in my mind and it's in my heart. And and so most days when I'm doing something, I go, oh man, again, I, I screwed up again, but I know that I screwed up because the Bible tells me that it convicts me, you know. But then at other times I say, finally, I finally got this one area that's, you know, pretty good because according to the scripture, I'm finally doing what it wants me to do. But there's this standard and this measure. The roots are growing down deeper because over time I've invested the time day by day by day in letting that, you know, become that rooted plant uh, in the word of God. So, Some of people have told me, you know, well, you know, I just think it's so hard to figure out what wisdom is. What's really the truth? How do we know? Wisdom is hard to find. But King Solomon disagreed with that. In fact, if we read at the end of chapter 1, this is what he said. Now, this is a pretty strong passage. I I just want you to know he's he's not going to treat people who who don't really find wisdom very, very uh, nicely. Let's just look at it this way. It says, wisdom shouts in the streets. Wisdom shouts in the streets. She cries out in the public square. She calls to the crowds along the main street, to those gathered in front of the city gates. How long, you simpletons, will you insist on being simple-minded? How long will you mockers relish your mocking? How long will you fools hate knowledge? 
Come and listen to my counsel. I'll share my heart with you and make you wise. I called you so often, but you wouldn't come. I reached out to you, but you paid no attention. You ignored my advice and rejected the correction I offered. So I will laugh when you are in trouble. I will mock you when disaster overtakes you, when calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster engulfs you like a cyclone, and anguish and distress overwhelm you. When they cry for help, I will not answer. Though they anxiously search for me, they will not find me. For they hated knowledge and chose not to fear the Lord. It seems pretty harsh, but it, it rings true. What, what he's saying is that God's wisdom is shouting for us to hear. God's made himself known in creation. He's made himself known in his word. He's made himself known in his church. And so God's wisdom is shouting. We can hear it in the midst of this ocean of information that's available to us, right? God is still speaking. And, and we can hear him in simple ways. We can hear him when we go outside and look at creation. This morning we were walking into the church and somebody said, hear the birds singing? And, and I mean, it's a simple thing. But God created the birds. God created the whole universe. As we talked about last week when we were talking about, you know, the big picture of the Old Testament from the, from the law and the prophets, we said that God created everything. Why is there something instead of nothing if nothing comes from nothing? Science tells us nothing comes from nothing. So why is there something instead of nothing? Because there's a creator. God shouts from creation. Science can't answer the question of where did it all come from. Science can answer a lot of questions, but that's a question that science can't answer. And the thing is, God has put in our hearts this understanding that there's something more. There's something beyond us. In fact, that's what King Solomon said in the book of Ecclesiastes. In chapter 3, verse 11, he says this, Yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. God has planted eternity in the human heart. Now, I've met more and more people who want to not think about eternity, who hope that when this life is over, it's just over. There's nothing else. There's no heaven. There's no hell. And I'm sure it goes way back farther than this, but I remember back in the early 70s when I was in junior high or something, and, you know, John Lennon. Asks us to imagine there's no heaven and no hell. It's e he said it's easy if you try. It isn't easy if you try. Because at night we look at the stars and we go, wow, they go on forever. Those stars go on forever. I can't imagine that there isn't something behind all of that. And, and I'm sure that most of us have that sense when we look at the vastness of God, where does it begin? How does it end? We can't understand the scope of eternity, but eternity is put in our hearts. And... Um, one of the things that we, we realize is that a life deeply rooted in a relationship with God is best equipped to have joy each day, to live each day with joy, and to look forward to eternity with expectancy. As I get older and older, I, I fear dying less and less. I'm not looking forward to the experience of death, but I don't fear dying at all because I know where I'm going. I know that there's a heaven, and I know that after this life is the next life. But I'm not like a lot of old people who are praying every day for Jesus to come back. Actually, I'm one of those few old people that are praying every day for Jesus not to come back because I know that there are 4.5 billion people on the planet who don't know him as Savior and Lord. And I want everybody to know Jesus. I want everybody on the planet to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior because I know that's the only way in this life that there can be joy and meaning and purpose. And then the next life, we get to be with him forever. And so that's what I pray for on a daily basis. And, and you can judge me if you want to. I don't really care. Um, but if, if you pray for Jesus to come back every day, that's fine. Because he's going to come back when he's coming back. 
And the main thing is for us to be ready. But the thing is, I look at the news, and you know, we all do, and, and, and there's not a lot of hope out there in the news. But there's hope, and there's joy in Jesus Christ. So King Solomon, at the end of the day, if you will, um, in the book of Ecclesiastes, if you read it from beginning to end, it's, it's really not a very, very um, hopeful book. In fact, what, what King Solomon does is he said, I tried wealth, I tried pleasure, I, I tried fame, I even tried wisdom, and, and none of it really, none of it's really satisfying. You know, in fact, at the end of his book, at the end of Ecclesiastes, this is what he writes. That's the whole story. So the whole story is wisdom, fame, you know, pleasure, all that, wealth. It, it doesn't really work. He says, here now is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commands, for this is everybody's duty. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. So at the end of it all, King Solomon says, fear God and obey his commands. That's our duty. And yet, if you know anything about Solomon, you know that he didn't follow his own advice. At the end of his life, he was not being obedient to God. He was worshiping false gods. And, and, and it really was sad to see that the wisest man who ever lived, the one who had the most resources of anybody ever at his fingertips up to that time, didn't end up finishing strong. And, and yet his advice is still sound because it is the word of God. His advice is true that at the end of the day, at the end of the final day of our life, all of us are going to stand in front of Jesus. And there's going to be a judgment for what we did and what, what we didn't do in our lives. And the thing that Solomon didn't say because he lived a thousand years before Jesus is that Jesus has already paid the penalty for the sins of our life. He didn't know that. He didn't know that there was going to be a day when Jesus was going to come and Jesus was going to live a perfect life and he was going to die on the cross and rise from the dead so that we can have, as we stand in front of Jesus that day, a life of righteousness, not our righteousness, but his righteousness imputed to us. And so one day, you and I are going to stand and sit in front of Jesus. And Jesus is going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter the joy of your master's kingdom. Or he's going to say, Depart from me. I never knew you. That's the only two choices. That's what's going to happen. And I've said this many times over the years as pastor here at New Life. That my job, my work as your pastor is to make sure that the day that you meet Jesus is the best day of your eternity. And I'm going to do everything I can do to see that that happens. That's why I stand here every week and exhort all of us to trust Jesus as Savior and Lord. That's why I stand here every, day, every, every weekend and talk from the Word of God because it's true. It doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what I feel. It doesn't matter. My opinion isn't worth anything. But the Word of God is true. And the Word of God says that unless we know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, one day he's going to say, I don't know you. And we're going to be separated from him for all eternity. And, and, and even... Even Solomon, who didn't know about Jesus, knew that judgment is going to come for our deeds, whether they're good or evil. So the sooner that we trust Jesus as Savior and Lord, the sooner that we start to have this root go down in our lives that will hold us firm and steady, no matter what the winds of life may be, no matter what the heat of life may be, no matter what may come, we will stand firm. And this life will be a powerful life of testimony to the living God, and then when we are done with this life, we will live with God forever. That's the promise, and that's the hope of every believer. And, you know, one of the things that I said is, you know, if you read the Bible for 10 minutes every day for 40 years, um, that will help you to, and me, that will help us to get rooted and, and grounded in God. 
But the truth of the matter is we can come to know God in a personal way this, just like that, you know, in an instant. We do come to know God in an instant, just like that, by trusting Jesus as Savior and Lord. And if you've never trusted him as Savior, which means that he saved you personally from your sin and from the death that's going to come, both physical and spiritual, um, if you've never trusted him as Lord, which means owner of your life, he gets to tell us what to do when he's our Lord. If you've never done that, there's no better time than today. Because today is the day that when, when we, uh, it's the best day for us to get planted, get rooted, and to start to grow. And if we've already done that, if we've already done that, then today is the best day to keep growing, to get, get our roots firmer and deeper. And that happens through the Word of God. That happens by reading it and, and, and in the power of the Holy Spirit, understanding it, and most importantly, living it. Because the devil knows every word that's in here but he doesn't live it. <laughs> and so I would actually rather know one verse, especially if the verse was like, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. I'd rather know those actually two verses. I'd rather know those two verses and, and live them out in the power of the Holy Spirit than know the whole Bible and not live any of it out. But my, my prayer today is that we won't just do either or, either know a couple verses and live them or know the whole book, but that we would both know a few verses and then a few more and a few more and a few more. And eventually the whole book would become precious to us and we would delight in it. We would meditate on it. And the more that we do meditate and memorize and read and study and listen to the word of God, the more firmly our lives will be rooted in him. So if you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior and Lord, I would encourage you to do it right now. If you have trusted Jesus as Savior and Lord, then I would encourage us all to continue to grow, to continue to let those roots grow down deeper and deeper and deeper because we are not planted in a trailer that's only two inches deep. We can grow as deep as, as we desire in him so that nothing can, can stand against us. Now, the commitment for today, every, for those of you who are new, every week we end with a commitment, something we're going to actually do. And it's very similar to last week because we're in this um, series where we're seeking to get a grip on our Bible. So I'm going to have us read the Bible. And it's, uh, pro, the, it says the, today's commitment is I will read the first seven chapters of Psalms and Proverbs this week. That's 14 chapters. And once again, um, 12 chapters would be 1% of the Bible. We read 12 chapters last week. That was the commitment anyway, the first 12 um, chapters of Genesis. And today would be 14 chapters. So what I'm doing, it's, a, it's not a trick, but it is uh, intentional. 1% of the Bible last week, 1% of the Bible this week. If you do the math, it's pretty simple. In two years, you'll have read through the whole Bible. Now, we're not going to give you, you know, 1% every week. You're going to have to figure that out for yourself after the series is over. But if we read 1%, 1%, 1%, every two years, we will read through the Bible. And in 40 years, we will have read through it 20 times, right? Because the Word of God is His Word to us. It, it, it's, it's life for those who live it. And for the simple, it will bring wisdom. For the young, it will bring wisdom. For the wise, it will make us wiser. For the understanding, it will make us more, more, have more understanding, so let's pray right now. I want to pray for those who may have, uh, have a desire to put Jesus first in your life for the first time and then for the rest of us. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are seeking us, eagerly seeking us all the time. And so right now, God, I pray for any in this room, any listening online um, who want to know you through your son, Jesus. 
And, and, and God, I pray that they will just simply ask you, Jesus, come into my life. Take over my life. I, I confess my sins. I ask them to be forgiven. I turn away from them and I ask them to be forgiven. And God, fill me up now with your spirit that I can start this new life. Let the roots start to grow. And God, for the rest of us that have already done that at some point, God, maybe we've been off the path, we confess that and we repent and we come back. And God, maybe we've been diligently, uh, day by day, walking in your way. And we pray, God, that you will give us the power of your Holy Spirit to do that more and more and more because our our heart's desire is to know you. God, we know that uh, the best way to know anybody is through a relationship of communication. And you have communicated with us that you do by your Holy Spirit, but you have through your word. And so, God, we want to know it and we want to understand it. And most importantly, empower us to live it. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.